0: Welcome to episode six of our podcast, Who Get in the Early Years. And today we're going to be looking at how we can gain respect with the resources that we've got out in our provision. So sit back, grab a cup of tea, and I hope you find the session useful. So for those of you that have been following me for a little while now um, on social media or you've done any of my face to face training courses or online, you'll probably know that I've spent quite a long period of my career working in the foundation stage in Bradford a very challenging and tough foundation stage. Um, We had many children working with us that were vulnerable to learning and they typically started working with us significantly below where they needed to be. So a lot of the work that we did in Bradford involved supporting, nurturing, and really doing our best to encourage them to thrive. In fact, I've actually included, as part of this masterclass, a free download for you so you can find out more about that journey that we were on and the things that worked well for us. Now, today, as I've said, we're going to be talking about destruction of resources and how frustrating that can be when you've created the most beautiful invitation to play and within two minutes, it's ruined the little resources are missing, perhaps things have gone home in pockets and the classroom might even look a complete mess. So let's have a little talk about my journey, what we did as a team that worked really well and then hopefully you can pocket some of those ideas for yourself and have a go at implementing them with your team. And I'm going to start with a little bit of a disclaimer. You know, it is tough. What we're talking about today is challenging. There will be tears, there will be headaches, there will be nightmares, but we just have to keep going with it because we'll get there eventually. And all that effort that we put in will be so worth it. So, yeah, don't worry if you're feeling completely bogged down with it all at the moment. I really do hope that I can give you a few fixes that might work for yourself. Okay, so, at the time in my setting, we had a mixture of plastic and natural resources available as part of our everyday continuous provision. And when I was working day to day in the setting, I'd find that resources would end up getting mixed up, transported around the room and left where they'd been transported. I'd find children walking away from an area of the setting where they'd been busy working and they hadn't set it up or made it tidy ready for the next child. I often found that the children that were using the plastic type resources would just pick them up and drop them on the floor with very little thought about the consequences of, oh, what happens if I break them? Because obviously plastic bounces, they don't break. So we didn't really have a great level of respect there for the things that the children had and were using day to day. And this would really frustrate me. Oh my goodness, I would be looking on Instagram and Facebook and seeing such beautiful invitations to play. Lovely setups, gorgeous classrooms, lovely provision. But I just thought, why can't I achieve this? Why can't my team and I get this right for our children? What is it we're doing wrong? And it really started to bog us down and you know, we were looking at um, settings that we using lots of loose parts, so we tried to introduce it ourselves, and the children just didn't use them at all, they were just flung to the side of the provision. Um, we introduced some beautiful beads into um, our sewing activity that we had out, and we just found that they disappeared and they went home in, in the children's pockets and we've probably all been there we spend our own money don't we to buy things for the children i know we shouldn't but we're also guilty of it because we just care about our job so much and we want the very best for the children we work with so yeah all of this was making me and my team feel really disheartened and then i remember one day i think it was early january I'd had to take the afternoon out of work to go to a funeral, and our lovely deputy head teacher at the time said, don't worry, I'll cover for you. Now, he won't mind me saying this, but he was very much Key Stage 2 trained. He didn't have any experience himself in nursery, and yeah, he found the whole experience very daunting but he was a lovely kind-hearted person that he he happily gave up his time to to do what was best in that situation. So off he came to my nursery class to spend the afternoon with my lovely children. And at the end of the afternoon, I received this picture sent to my um, email address and it just came with the caption, Oh my goodness, nursery, can't tidy up can they and at the time i had a good giggle about it but then thinking about it a little bit later on i thought no they really they really do need some support and what we're putting into place at this moment in time just isn't working and it's stopping us from having that high level of engagement that we're striving towards for the children we know that that's when the high quality learning happens and when we've got that high level of engagement, our interactions with adults can really challenge and move learning on. And although we were great at interacting, we needed to focus more on our environment. After all, if we're looking at the Reggio approach to early education, we can see through this approach that the environment is a fair teacher and it's so crucial to get it right so that it can support the learning that's going on. So as a team, we had a little get together and we decided to make this our priority for at least the um, the rest of the year so we're in january so this is what we did so we talked about how we currently felt about it we recorded down our feelings as adults about how we um felt disheartened dissatisfied etc and then we decided to have a little uh, think about what we wanted to happen. What was our vision? What would the environment look like when the levels of engagement here were high? When the children were respecting and caring for the resources? What kind of opportunities to play and explore would we be setting up within our provision because we could trust the children. So we added all these onto a physical vision board, which was basically um, an A one size piece of card with cut out pictures. We all contributed to this as a whole team. And whenever you do any of my training, you'll know that I talk lots about having vision and everybody in the team having ownership of it. So this is what we did. We all worked on it. We all contributed ideas. And as we were were working on it, we could talk about it as well and what we wanted. So we put that in place and um, we displayed our vision board in our staff room we were very lucky to have a foundation stage staff room all of our own um, but if you haven't got this i just suggest you put it in a central place um, we shared it at the beginning of every team meeting at the beginning of every day so we could remind ourselves that yes we were on a process we we're on a journey sorry and the process of this journey was going to be difficult but we knew what we were all working towards So we had that in place. And then from that, we thought about our action plan. We thought about what strategies, what steps we could physically put into place to make that vision um, become true. And we were also able to link that through to accountability as well, so that we were able to assign staff and teams to different action points that could then be fed back together. So we had our vision board and we had our action plan. The next thing that we did is that we stood back and we observed one person at a time so that everybody was involved in this process, but we stood back and we observed and watched what children were currently doing in the provision, how they used the resources, how they respected the environment, where they put the resources back and we began to make notes of the levels of engagement and involvement using the Leuven Scale. During this time, we also recorded in just a small pocket-sized notepad any time that a child came up to us and asked us a question. And this was a really interesting exercise because it showed us how we set up our environment for independence as well. So for instance, if we were having children asking us where is the tape? Can I do this? Can you help me find my coat? That's showing us that we've got a lot of work to do in helping the children have the ownership of the environment and that responsibility for where things are. And maybe we need to organise the environment more effectively so that children can find what it is they need. So we, we did all of that, thinking very carefully about the environment and thinking, well, you know if things are not working for the children it's not the children that we need to change necessarily but it's the environment that we need to adapt and i love this quote here we actually had it on our vision board so when a flower doesn't bloom you fix the environment in which it grows not the flower and i love that we 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 had that as sort of the the focal point on our vision board just to remind us really of what we were doing so we had done our vision board. We popped together an action plan, and we started working on our action plan. And the first part of that was to establish our starting point, which we collected through our observations and the questions that children asked. Um, so through the analysis of that, it told us about our current setup, and then after that once we had a picture of where we were at with everybody contributing to it i popped my team into smaller groups pairs uh, groups of three and um, and we talked about how each of the different mini groups would have their own focus for research um, it could be how can we encourage children to tidy up it could be How do we get children to respect loose parts? What are the benefits of natural materials? All that kind of thing. So each of the mini teams had a question. I call it a practitioner research question because I'm very much inspired by Reggio. Um, And this is an approach that they use. We then, in our staff room, we created a big, well, we didn't create it, it was there. We had a big whiteboard. And in the center of the whiteboard, we, we. kind of spoke about our whole vision that we were looking at which was respect for resources and then we divided the board up into our different sections that the team were looking at and during our staff meeting time during um, particular times in the day when there were opportunities to do this the mini teams would go off and they would start researching their the answers hopefully to their questions, using things like books, blogs, social media posts, looking in early childhood magazines. We organized some visits to some settings that were doing this already very successfully. And we also attended training events so that we could network and talk to colleagues about it as well. And every time we found something new out or we expanded on our knowledge, expanded extended extended and um, we added this to the whiteboard so that we were building up this bigger picture of what it was we needed to do and what we needed to support and at this point we hadn't made any changes to the environment and the resourcing we were still very much in the inquiry stage and research point for, for ourselves so we did all of this and then we made sure that we kept looking at that vision board and we started to implement a few different bits that we found out. So some of the things that we found out was that we needed to think about ourselves as well and how we respected the resources. During a conversation that we had one of our, in one of our meetings, we realised that some of us were so guilty for being a little bit lazy. So you know those times when you're sweeping up the floor and you find a resource and you just pop it into the bin um, with the rest of the rubbish you've collected. Yeah, that's not helpful. Um, Other times when you pick up a resource that you've seen dropped on the floor and you just pop it into the nearest container. Again, that's not helping our situation. So we as adults had to remind ourselves that the respect had to be there from us and we had to be leading on it within our environment and showing children how we promoted it. And this was important as well when it came to tidying up time. Now, I've worked with many different settings that organize tidying up time very differently. Um, You know, some settings, they have a bell that they ring, others have music that they play when it's tidy time. Um, But for us, we started to realize that our children, um, maybe because of the language and the understanding levels that they had, didn't actually know what we meant when we said it's tidying up time. It just didn't mean anything to them. Um, So we had to start unpicking this, we had to talk to them about how we needed to get our classroom set back up, looking beautiful, ready for the next group of children to learn there. And when we spent time talking to the children about this, um, they began to understand then what we meant, and we actually didn't call it tidying up time then. We just talked about it as being organising our resources. Let's get the classroom organised, ready for the afternoon. Let's get the classroom sorted out, looking beautiful again, ready for our next day here. So we changed our terminology. We also found as adults um, that when it came to this time of day, the adults were often picking things up off the floor popping things away into containers on the shelf and when we as adults are doing this it's actually giving the message to the children oh it doesn't really matter if i don't tidy up if i keep playing that's fine because mrs lawson is going to tidy up for me and you know i don't need to do it so instead we changed our whole approach to this and as adults we stood back and we said right during this time we're not going to be touching and moving resources and toys the children are going to be doing that and actually we're going to use this time of day as a valuable teaching opportunity so for instance um, in our water area we had jugs of different sizes we had um Space on the shelf are five jugs. So if there were you know, some jugs missing, we would use this as a time to talk to the children about, oh, which of the jugs do you think are not there? Um, and bringing in the maths elements. Um, we talked about um, how we could sort and classify and find things that were all the same at tidy time. So we really tried to use this time of day as much as we could for, for teaching and supporting children so that it didn't become a wasted time. Gosh, I've worked in set with settings that start tidying up time 45 minutes before the end of the day or before they need to sit down and, and have their end of day routine. And if we do this, this is taking away such valuable learning time. And also um, children become um, sort of is focused and not on task so if we're doing this for a long period of time we're going to see levels of engagement and um, start to dip we're going to see those behavioral issues come in so I used to keep that sorting and organizing time to five to ten minutes at the very most and we use it as a teaching time as well. And that's something that we learned, you know, it was tricky. You almost had to sit on your hands at times to try and stop you from picking things up. Um, But but we do it and, and we achieved it in the end and it really did make a difference. And yeah, you know, at the end of the day when the children have gone home, we would go back around the environment as adults and just check, just make sure it was all sorted as it needed to be. But we wouldn't be doing it when the children were there. Some of the other things that we thought about is um, our parents. So often when we have a problem, we as practitioners think it's our problem to solve. But as I've said, I'm very much inspired by the Reggio Amelia approach. And their approach very much focuses on the whole community as having a role to play in when it comes to supporting and educating the children. So when we had a problem that we needed help with like the tidying up and respectfulness of resources we decided to take this to our whole community so we popped up just a simple display board like this where we talked about the problem we had and then there was just some blank pages so that parents could record their ideas if we talked to the children and they had some thoughts, we could annotate these on. And the staff could also keep a running commentary on this as well. So this also helped to support the fact that parents might not understand that we're changing the way that we're working. And when we have got new resources that we're introducing with the children, we want parents to understand that this is why we're doing it. This is what might happen as a consequence. So we found that when we did have resources go home in pockets, which is bound to happen, the parents were more um, aware of what we were trying to achieve, that they brought these resources back, they talked to the children at home. So this was something that worked very well for us. Um, We also took some videos of our learning environment when we were introducing new resources, we, we popped a video of these onto our social media page. Again, to keep that communication up between school and home. Now, part of my team had decided that um, they wanted to look into loose parts more because we tried to introduce it and it just wasn't successful. So part of my team had looked into loose parts and, and considered the best way that we could introduce this to young children. And through our research and through trying it, we realized that we can't just introduce loose parts overnight. It has to be a very slow and a very gradual process. And we tried to introduce ceramic tea sets as one of the first things that we popped into our provision. And we became so heartbroken with the number of breakages that we were so tempted to just give up. But, you know, after a bit of a get-together at the end of the day, cups of tea, chocolate digested biscuits, tissues to wipe up the tears we we managed to you know keep focused keep thinking no we need to we need to progress with this but actually the way we do it and the way we manage it needs to change so we thought right let's introduce some loose parts and real resources that that are beautiful but they're not going to break so easily So we found in a charity shop some gorgeous brass jugs that we wanted to introduce into our water area. So this was what we did and we thought they're quite robust so they're not going to break and they're a great starting point when you're in that transitional phase between your plastic robust resources and your more delicate and dainty things. Um, So we would introduce things very slowly. Yes. Things would break along the way, but we did try and use things that were wooden, things that were brass, things that were natural, like bark, um, to begin with. And then when the time was right, we we introduced things like the little ceramic teacups and vases to our areas. And if things did break, we would get together as a group of children and we would talk about it, talk about why it might have happened, and we wouldn't replace these straight away. We needed the children to understand that we didn't have an endless supply of resources. So we'd always leave a little bit of time. Um, We also encouraged our children to be involved in the risk assessment for these um, resources that we had in place. So if we were introducing something new, we'd talk to the children about what could be dangerous about it. What we need to do to be careful and gentle and the children would mark make their own ideas. And then we would pop this into a special risk assessment book that would go alongside our adult risk assessments for these resources so that we were really giving children that ownership and the responsibility of the environment. Some of the other things that we did as well is we would make sure that we were joining in with the play. So if we had a new resource that was out, we wouldn't plan for this to be out on a day when we were busy making Easter cards and we had some children out on a trip to the local doctors. We would make sure we introduced them on a day when there was nothing else going on and we could make sure that we had adults interacting and supporting the play that was going on this was really crucial um and then what was i going to say oh i just had an idea it just completely jumped out of my head oh yeah that was it and then finally the way we managed our staffing you might have heard me talk about this before but the way we managed and supported our staffing worked well in how we introduced and supported children and managing resources. So I would always have in my team each day, a base boss. Yeah, a base boss. And that person wouldn't be involved in a particular activity. They wouldn't be really doing observations as such. Their job would be to almost float around the provision and make sure the environment was being used really well. Make sure children were on task, they were engaged and support those that needed that little bit of help. And having this person made sure that if a child was spotted dropping a resource on the floor, then that adult could go into the play and, and talk to them and, and ask them, oh, you know, what do you think is going to happen if we treat our things like that? Whereas if we didn't have that person in role, we'd find that the, the person that was doing the observations or an activity would constantly be getting broken off to deal with things like that. And it just helps our day run a lot more smoothly. So they are some of the things that worked for us. So we introduced them very slowly. we got the parents involved. We made sure that we didn't just replace all our plastic resources straight away with beautiful, delicate things. It was a very slow process. And we didn't get rid of all our plastic either. We kept a bit of a balance because there are some fantastic plastic resources out there like the pneumocon, like the magnetiles that are just so fabulous and um, So we we did this and we constantly reflected as a team, supported each other, made sure we were keeping each other strong. And um, yeah, we got there. And you know, in the end we were able to have out wonderful, exciting, beautiful, curious resources like the old typewriters and um, vinyl CDs photograph frames all of that kind of thing and we were able to successfully introduce loose parts then into our setting by learning about that Danish approach to well-being um, so we've got some fantastic speakers we've got the wonderful Sally who's founder of Fairy Dust Teaching who's going to be sharing with us how she creates inspirational learning environments we've also got Oh, the the enthusiastic and wonderful and good friend of mine, Greg Bottrell. And Greg is going to be sharing with us how we can build in that curiosity and mindfulness through the play situations that we set up. We've got sessions on storytelling. We have a session on leading with love from Rupan, who is a nice boss. She's a kind boss and we also have some very special speakers that are going to be talking to us about their experiences of working as a head in a danish preschool and also how we can create a cozy warm home environment to support our own self-care and well-being as well thank you so much for listening to today's podcast Bye. Bye.